Hello, and welcome to the Writing Guys podcast, where we help writers get inside a guy's head by answering questions that you have asked us. Oops. Sorry, my camera just died. <laughs> um, now, now I lost track of where I was. This has been off to a great start. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm back on track. Uh, I'm Lansing McCall, all crazy today, as you can tell. Today's moderator. And our hosts are Michael Aspen and C.T. Andrews. <coughs> Hello. Hello, crazy Lancy. How are you doing? <laughs> All right. Um, a few weeks ago, we answered a question over what men think about the dating game and, you know, thoughts on how that all played out. And so today we were going to cover, uh, do a follow-up question on the opposite side. So we want to talk about what do guys think about the institution of marriage? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Exciting. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Who wants to go first? Because this, okay, first of all, let's set the scene. Michael is married and has been married for a long time. CT is single. And uh, then Lancey also has been married. I've also been married for a long time, uh, but had a period where I was very single and out there. So this is going to be an interesting mix of opinions. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's why I'm excited to do this because it should. We're getting multiple perspectives on the CT, same. Topic. Weren't, weren't so we'll you married? Directions. CT, weren't you married briefly? Weren't you married for like a few years or six months or something like that? Or is that my memory being incorrect? That is your memory being incorrect, sir. Okay. I have never been married. Um, uh, the closest thing to marriage I ever got was when I was much younger. Um, we're talking 19 years old. Uh, my baby mama uh, fell ill with a condition called pregnancy, which forced me to uh, move in with her and share an apartment with her for about six months. Um, closest thing I've ever been to married. Married. Wow. Okay, good. So we're gonna get some opinions. 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 <laughs> like onions. All right, so do you wanna go first, CT? This kind of originated from your, your thought process. So do you, wanna, do you wanna go first or do you want me to jump in and give some answers? Right under the bus. Um, I, I guess I'll not throwing them under the bus. How's that throwing them under the bus? Um, man, I don't even know where to begin. Okay, let's. I'm going to open the episode by keeping it bound to the uh, my opinion of the institution of marriage, as opposed to me being a married man and what I think that means. Okay, uh, the institution of marriage, I think, uh, is awesome. It exists because somewhere deep in our human psyche, we want what's best for the species. Whether we agree with that or not is irrelevant. It comes from a very deep place. <laughs> um, and so I have no problem with the institution of marriage. I think like any other institution, it can be misused and it can be uh, looked at poorly. It can be looked at with, with negatively. Um, and I know it doesn't always work. In fact, the institution of marriage, as I understand, has about, it's batting about 500. Yeah. <laughs> Last I heard, which uh, in baseball terms is pretty good. Uh, 
but in yeah, institutional yeah. terms, I don't know. It's kind of bad, isn't it? So how I ever find my or see myself becoming married is, well, I'll talk about that at, later on in the episode of keeping it institutional centric in the beginning. I think marriage is great. I think it's awesome. I don't think it works very well. And I think it's because there's too many damn human beings uh, within the institution of marriage. Um, but uh, yeah, so that those are my early thoughts. I will say this, there are species of animals that mate for life, uh, like the coyote. I know coyotes mate for life. They're only with one mate. Uh, and it, it seems to work fairly good with them. You go out into East Texas where, where my family's from and or currently resides, you hear coyotes every night and there's a bunch of them. So something about that's working. Um, and if, if you can correlate that with the institution of marriage, I got to say it, it, ha it fulfills a good purpose and is necessary. Damn human beings, us human people. I don't know, Michael. Oh, I, uh, I'm not a big fan of the institution of marriage. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So for the record, I have been married for 26 years to the same person. Um, this is the only person I've been married to. Uh, and I would say that overall we are very happy, but, and here comes the heavy, but, <laughs> Um, marriage is nowhere near like it's portrayed in television movies, even what people portray to the outside world, their own marriage is marriage is a lot of work and a lot of you've, you've, if you're going to make it work properly, you have to be thinking about somebody else all the time. And that is difficult and tricky. People are generally self-centered just we it's very difficult for people to view the world outside of their own experience and when you're married to somebody you're now trying to view the world through your experience while also understanding that somebody else with a very different experience is living right there with you so that that's hard but on top of all of that um the institution of marriage is if you, if you go back historically um it is it is very different from what we kind of view it today and it kind of carries a lot of those same things that kind of bother me now that I've gotten older. Um, I really don't like the idea that women should give up their last name. I know that's not going to sound very nice. A lot of people are going to think, oh, you're, you're a jerk for that. But I, I get really frustrated that a woman is supposed to give up her identity to, to be with a guy, right? The whole, you know, Mrs. Michael Aspen kind of thing. Uh, no, you know, she's her own person. She does her own thing. And to, envelop her personality and make it where she has to be a part of my existence in that way bothers me. And that's a very common thing in very traditional circles that you do that, that you, you accept the last name of your partner and so on. Um, and then you do things like the dowry and things like that, that were very popular back in the day that always bothered me. You know, this whole idea that you're getting a, you're getting a woman, but you're also getting money. I don't know. That just feels like it cheapens the whole thing. Um, that it's more of a contract between families than actual love. So the modern representation of the institution of marriage is that you find somebody that completes you, right? That you're going to fall in love with, and you're going to be able to be compatible for the rest of your days. You're going to say, I do. And everything is sort of riding off into the sunset happiness. But after I do comes a whole lot of 
all right, I need to work on that. And all right, I need to be fair about my criticisms, right? Not everything is the other person's fault. Not everything is, is your in-laws fault. Not everything is my parents fault, right? There are so many things. And I think, I think one of the things that was probably the biggest surprise to me was how many small things you don't get ironed out initially that take so long to figure out. I'll give an example. I'll give an example. My wife, for the first 10 years of our marriage, whenever she wanted to reach over and get something off of her bedside table, the bed stand next to the table, she would oftentimes fold the, she just likes to tuck the covers up really tight. So she'd fold them down, put her arms over the covers and then roll over. Now, what that does is it creates a pinch right here underneath her arms where she's grabbed all the covers. And when she rolls over, guess what happens? All the covers get pulled off of me. It took me 10 years of explaining this to her that you need to stop doing that because every time you do that, you pull all the covers off of me. She goes, well, you lift up the covers and blow wind underneath the, uh, you know, not blow wind, but, you know, like let cool air in under the covers on your side. I'm like, that's different. I'm not pulling them off. I'm just adjusting my side and it happens to let a draft in on your side 10 freaking years this went on and that is such a small thing but it is so aggravating i remember nights where i'm like fuck you fuck this god damn it and i'd go downstairs and i'd get a sleeping bag and i'd bring it back upstairs and i'd zip up in my sleeping bag and she'd go why are you being so mean i'm like because you're too fucking stupid to understand that when you roll over and she's like why are you getting so mad you're such a sensitive piece of shit and we're getting into this knockdown drag out fight over covers it's just so <laughs> stupid and so and there's I, on the other hand, I'll give one other example just to show how much of an asshole I can be. I have a tendency not to close the cabinets whenever I open them in the kitchen. I don't know. Uh -oh. I got what I need. Why do I need to close the cabinet? And it was probably a similar length of time, years, where she would, she would be like, God damn it, why are these cabinets open? And I'd be like... What are you talking about? They're closed. Because I, like, I just closed them. And I'm like, but you, you can see everything. And, oh, oh, oh. So we would get into knockdown drag out fights over me not closing the cabinets in the kitchen. So, but these are things that you, you iron out big stuff. Like, are you the same religion? Do you believe in the same kind of basic political stuff? Are you physically attractive to each other? Do you enjoy the same sorts of activities? All that kind of stuff gets ironed out in dating. But when you get into the actual living day to day with somebody, yeah. There's so it's much little stuff that you don't yeah. realize is there that can just become, it can feel so overwhelmingly big in your marriage if you're not careful with it. And, and um, those are some of the examples of the smaller stuff that can, that can blow up, blow up like that. And you don't realize it. And it can yeah. become stuff that you're now fighting over in a divorce court. You know, she's not getting any of those goddamn cover. <laughs> so, anyway. uh... Yeah, that's funny. I guess we marry someone else only to learn about ourselves. Well, yeah. Uh, and that's really deep. And if yeah. you do it right, you also learn how to learn about somebody else, right? You learn about yourself, but you also learn to learn how somebody else operates and work with them. Right. Working with somebody is a whole lot of trying to, is trying to figure out what, not how you're right and they're wrong. It's how you're both wrong and you both can be better. <laughs>
And that's yeah. and you both have to do that. And that's really it's tricky. And it's I hear this. I, I hear that same testimony in vaguely similar terms over and over and over again from all of my married friends. You know, at my age, all my buddies are married and their parents, their fathers, um, because they have kids. And over and over and over again. <laughs> now that you just said their parents because they have kids. And I was like, well, that's usually yeah. how that works. <laughs> well, I, I said they're married. Yeah, yeah, and their parents. And I didn't want people to think I was saying they're married and their parents are married. Oh, because oh they right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. <laughs> Let me clarify my clarification real quick. <laughs> uh, but but uh, they all say vaguely the same thing. It's it's uh, how hard it is and about how, how much you have to center around the other person. And, um, and I want to tell you this right now just from the outsider looking in uh i know a lot of married couples oh i've got two great stories to tell you uh i'll save one for 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 afterwards um but uh uh the only the only man that i know of who's happily married is my dad he is 77 years old and he married when he was almost 60 to his wife now or maybe mid-50s and he's the only man that I will sit here and tell you, looking at you in the eyes, is happily married. All of the other ones who are married and not divorced, because that's a whole, that's, uh, that's a battlefield. They're miserable. They're all miserable. Now, they won't say they're miserable. They won't say it. In fact, they'll say about, they'll talk about how happy they are and how, how happy they are with their wives. And in the very next breath, bitch and bitch and bitch and bitch about their wives. And they're all like this. Now, I'm not saying that they're bitter. Okay. I'm not saying that and that they're not happy, but boy, it just seems to me like marriage is such a bullet to the head kick to the balls to me now i just got through saying how wonderful i think the institution is okay yes i do uh but that's for the good of the species um but i i swear none of my friends seem all that happy to be married i find so I find... i'm looking at this going damn I, I don't know did i escape it or am i playing it smart you know and now i'm waiting to my mid-50s which are actually kind of right around the corner to get married. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't, so yeah, it's a leap of faith. Um, oh yeah. So Lancy has input. I have input on this too. You brought up some right. good points. Yeah, go ahead. There's actually, this is just a random, random factoid, but married men live longer. Yeah, oh yes. I'm aware of that. Yes, I you know. are true. Right. And which, which kind of suggests that they're not quite all that miserable are they? Yeah. I think yeah. there is an underlying, if not happiness, then certainly an underlying satisfaction and fulfillment that they live with every single day because they're married while finding reasons to bitch and piss and moan and complain about it. So um, also you have to consider, you have to consider CT that when you're with these guys, you represent the greener side of the pasture. And so maybe that's just the, the default what they talk to you about <laughs> you know that's a really good point lancy in fact i've had more than one married buddy cop to that it's like ah 
I'm so glad you're here, you know, CT. Because let me tell you what happened the other day, man. Oh, <laughs> she drove me crazy. Like, every time she turns around and pulls the cover off of me. <laughs> hey, the, the cover wars are universal. They oh, happen yeah. in my household, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm the sure best, they The best thing we ever did was get a king-size bed. That uh, almost helped uh, completely eliminate that issue. It really helps a lot. Good marriage, I guess, yeah. is a king size bed. A king size bed. You got to love the rollover. It's like if I want to go see my wife, I have to like book a ticket. <laughs> She's so far away. But you know, so we were talking earlier about the institution of marriage, which is a very different thing than a long term relationship. So I'm very much a fan of monogamous long-term relationships. And even though I was joking about being upset with my wife about rolling over and taking the covers, um, I would say that you actually know two people that are pretty happy in their marriage. And that would be me would be the second. Um, and that is because the, the reality is, is I don't view dating as greener pastures. I look at dating as just a, a slog of frustration, trying to find another person that you're going to be pretty close to. And oftentimes I get asked, you know, what, what would happen if, if your wife died or she left you, got smart and left you, whatever, you know, whatever joke they want to tell. I, I often say I probably wouldn't even try. I probably wouldn't even go out. I mean, if, if, if I found somebody by happenstance, fine. But it is having been through 26 years of marriage, having, having understood how much is involved with it. And understanding how lucky you've got to be to find somebody that is also willing to put the work in. Because the reality is, is it's a two, it's a two-way street. You can't just do it all yourself. You you both have to put in the time and effort. Um, it's it's not as easy as it sounds. It's really hard. And it's hard to find the right person. It's hard to communicate with that person. It's hard to hear what the other person is trying to say, because oftentimes that means you're wrong. And it takes a lot of it takes a lot of repetition, it takes a lot of regathering your strength and coming at it again. It takes time, it takes patience. And good God, there's a lot of that work that you're like, man, I don't know that I have it in me to go and try and find another person at this late stage of my life and start all that over again. Hi. And like I said, if I found somebody that we just clicked and we had a really strong vibe, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to it. But I'm a big fan of monogamous relationships. But I'm also a big because it's because it is so much work and you get a lot of reward for it. I don't want to make it sound like I don't want to make it sound like all of that is worthless. You get a tremendous amount of reward. If you are if you are both vibing together for decades, there is so much love and support there on both sides of the equation. We just we just went through about a covid. My wife and I did. And I have been doing my best to try and help and support her while she's been dealing with her worst days and she's doing the same the other way. So I'm ministering to her when she's having coughing fits that last all day and she can barely get up off of the couch. I'm going to making her soup and taking care of the kids and, you know, making sure she's got her water bottle bottle filled and whatever else. And then whenever I'm on the couch with a really bad fever and can barely get up off of the couch, she's doing the same for me. She's bringing me a sandwich or whatever to try and make it through the day. So you've got somebody, you've got somebody that you're tied to and you're tied together really tightly. And you're going through this together. Life is no longer you bouncing through society, getting injured and having to deal with it all on your own. You've got somebody there with you that can help you get through it. And that's huge. 
Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's worth the effort. Man, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I might as well just wrap you up and just include you in all of my married friends category because yet again, your testimony is theirs. They say the same thing. They, they you know, they, they say, um, that, you know, as soon as they're through, half of them, half of each of them is bitching and pissing and moaning. And then the other half of each of them is happy that they're married. And they all say the same thing. If, if it ends tomorrow, if she gets killed in a car wreck tomorrow or we get divorced, I'm not going to do it again. You know, so they're they're like happy that they're on the track that they're on as long as it they stay on that track. But as soon as the track they're not on the track anymore, I, they're not. I don't think any any of them would jump in back into it, really. So the, um, I think the question there is. I think the better question to ask is not if you found yourself alone, would you, would you get back into it? Another question would be how lost would you feel if you lost your spouse? And I would feel very, I would feel that a lot. I, I would, I would be to a point where I would be pretty devastated. No, that's fair. That's fair. But it's a different, it's a different topic. I shouldn't have said, well, if she got killed in a car accident tomorrow or if we got divorced. No, I mean, here, if, anyway, if she went and cheated on me, left me, divorced me, died, any, any, any situation where I'm now alone, yeah. I would, I would miss her desperately. Yeah. Okay. Um, the point I was making is uh, I think all of my married buddies feel that way and whether it's because of some emotional depth that they go through or just the effort required at this point in, in their lives, I don't think any one of them would be willing to do it again. Um, Lancey, Interesting. you've been trying to say something for a long time. What was it? I've been really good. I've been listening to you guys, but I've had a couple of thoughts along the way. Um, yeah. I've actually been married twice. This is my second marriage. And the first marriage, um, had I had a child in... The second marriage, we were older, and I think people who wait and get married when they when they're older have a bit of an advantage because they are they know more about themselves, yep. you know, and the discovery that they go through is just going to be for one person, not two, you know. Yeah. Um. So I think there's an advantage to waiting. Uh, my husband and I were both very, very independent. And so when we got married, it was more of two friends moving in together. And for the longest time, our finances were still separate and everything. And then eventually we realized we were wasting money. So we combined them, you know, with the bank fees and all that. What, um, so CT, I was going to ask, what is it about your dad's marriage that makes you say he's truly happy while everybody else is? not or not as happy i am of the mind to agree with what lancy just said the longer you wait the 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 later in life you are when you get married and i don't mean elderly i mean you can be late 30s early 40s and i think you're seasoned enough to know that you're that 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 marriage is going to work as opposed to getting married at 22 right well, my, my dad got married with his his wife uh, when they were both in their mid late fifties. You know, mm. uh, they my dad had just come out of a divorce with my mom. Uh, she was she being my dad's wife had just come out of of a divorce so two or three years earlier, and when you they when they're together at the ripe old age of seventy seven and seventy five, 
which is not a ripe old age, but it's certainly in your, you know, approaching your twilight years. Nobody reminds me of a, 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 a couple of 17 year old high school kids more than they do because they've got, they've lived their life. They've raised their children. They're set up. They've got every, you know, they've got everything they need. And now they're just there together because there's a certain want to be together and uh, the pressures are off. And those two laugh and they pinch each other in the buttocks and they, they, they bitch and piss and moan and whine it at each other, not about each other, but at each other. And then turn right around and laugh with each other. When they agree on something, it sounds like they're arguing. They agree so fervently with each other, you know. And then when one of them's out of the room, the other one will say, I just don't know what I would do without her. Uh, or she would say something like, he better be the first to die. No, no, no. He better, he better not die before me, is yeah. what she's always saying. Yeah. Not the first to die. That would be a completely different point. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, you, these, these really kind of heartfelt sort of sentiments towards each other that they're not afraid to share. None of my younger friends who are my age and have been married for 15, 18, 20 years say that kind of stuff. So I don't think I've ever heard any of them. So the 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 Michael Aspen you're getting on this show is not the Michael Aspen you get if you're in my living room um, or on my back deck talking about marriage, um, because here I'm trying to give you inside ball. Right. Um, the, but the reality is, is your dad, your dad found what I was lucky enough to find. And it sounds like maybe Lancey has already found, which is somebody that's really compatible with you. And that, so even though, even though we're not as demonstrative as your father and his wife are um, with our affections, um, we are comfortable with the way we uh, show affection with each other and how we show affection in public and how we talk to each other and how we discuss things. We're much more like, we're, we're much less exuberant, my wife and I, in our agreements and our disagreements, um, because we tend to be more methodical and, and, and and cerebral with our discussions, right? Much less emotional. That's not a bad thing. It's just, that's just the way our personalities work. Um, but the, the trick to that, I think is, and that was, that's the key that I was really trying to hone in on earlier is finding another person you're that compatible with is so freaking hard. And, and it can be a long process. You know, you get lucky and you find somebody that clicks early, like we did, I was 23. Um, that's luck more than, wisdom or or experience you were talking both of you are talking about when you get into your into later stages of your life you're much more sure of what you're compatible with and it's much yeah. easier to decide what you're compatible with and i think i think you're right i think most people i think i think most people get married way too early even though i got married early earlier than than what you guys are talking about I think most people get married way too early because there's so much growing that you have to do as a person still when you're in your twenties and moving in through your late twenties into your thirties that, that can change so much about you. And now you're trying to do that while somebody else is going through that same kind of change on their life. It's really hard to keep the, the relationship together. Yeah. 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 Well, let me just say this. I, I don't make any of my observations as a condemnation to anybody here on this podcast or within earshot. Um, and I firmly believe that if I were 
having this discussion with any one of my other married friends and Michael Aspen, you weren't the host, but let's say one of them were, Chad, Terrence, I could name off any one of them were sitting here. The conversation would probably be the same. You know mm. what I mean? It would probably like they would, yeah, they'd be like, oh, my wife. Uh, and then they'd turn right around and go, well, now, wait a minute. Now, don't go jump in any conclusions. I love my wife. And where, you know, where, you know, I just happen to be having this conversation with you guys. Right. So I don't think it would be any different um, if I was having that with one of my other married friends. So I don't, I don't, I don't want to come across like uh, husbands are condemned to hate their wives. Uh, you haven't come across that way. You no, haven't. I don't think you have, but no. you kind of gave the impression that all of your friends felt trapped. And, um, and I don't, Oh, I didn't. Trapped. I felt like it was just a, a, I'm with my buddies and I'm bitching session and it doesn't mean anything beyond me just getting something off my chest. Mm. Sure. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. Um, I don't approach it thinking that there's never anything not to get off one's chest, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's always going to exist to one degree or another. Um, but well, uh, yeah. The, the, the downside to being married is if you have an issue with your wife that you want to talk to somebody about, the one person you can't really talk to sometimes is your wife, right? It's like, you know, you are together in so many things, but sometimes you're like, I need to talk to somebody about issues I'm having with my wife and I can't talk to her because when yeah. I talk to her, it becomes an argument, right? So yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting too, when your children, I have an adult child, right? You can't talk to them either because you're talking about their dad, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> so you can't do that either. Um, when I got divorced the first time, I was never getting married again. I was done with the institution of marriage. I felt like it was that women got the, the worst of it, you know, um, that, you know, your, your career is affected by it. And then if you have children that puts you behind, um, your credit, you know, I mean, all kinds of things are tied to you based on marriage that, that men don't really have to put up with. Right. Um, I mean, I'm not even going to get started because I'll never shut up. So I was <laughs> never getting married again. And then, you know, he just, we met when I, I was like 28, I think. Hmm. And um, just immediately just clicked and just had a lot of fun. Like just giggled at the same thing. Or, you know, somebody would say something and we'd both just look at each other and we're reading each other's minds and... And just, um, he snuck up on me. We were friends and then suddenly we were dating and then we were married. I'm not even sure how that happened because I wasn't doing that again. <laughs> but it's been, and you know, I totally agree with Michael. There are ups and downs. We've had times when it has been the best times of our lives and everything, we were right on the same page. And there've been times when, boy, we struggled to just talk to each other in, you know, in a good way. It, it's, you're, it's always work because you yourself are always evolving. Your partner is always evolving. Your situation is always evolving. And you just gotta keep the communication open so that you can make sure you're evolving together. Communication. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, Communication yeah. is is always lifted up as the one thing that needs to happen in a marriage that is really, and the reality is, is it's 
it's so freaking hard because so many people, I think here, you need to communicate with your spouse and what they think that means is you need to figure out what you need and communicate that to your spouse. The reality is communication is a two-way street. You need to hear what they need and try to give them that as well. And um, it's, we're, we're, as a species, I think we're much better at expressing what we need to others, but we're very, it's very hard for us to naturally hear what others need and give that to them. And that's, that's very hard. Um, we, <laughs> we bought a house uh, about seven years ago and this house we're living in now. And um, we both agreed when we bought it, that it was perfect in every way. And over the past seven years, my wife has found a numerous ways where she wants to improve the house. And I'm like, but it's perfect. In my view, the house is still perfect, but in her view, it needs a lot of work now. And so she keeps thinking of all these things she wants to do. If we come into money in some way, we should do this and we should do this and do this. She's got all these ways to improve the house. So um, I find that interesting that in her view, the, the view of the house has changed over the past seven years from it's perfect in every way to now we need a new kitchen. We need a new bathroom. We need a clawfoot tub. I never even, I'm like, where did that come from? We've never wanted a clawfoot tub. She goes, I just think it looked really good. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it is. You're constantly touching base and trying to, so now I'm, now we're, it became a priority for us. I know a lot of times that's an old joke. You know, I wanted to paint my house blue and my wife wanted to paint it yellow. So we compromised on yellow, you know, but the, the, that joke is, the whole point of that is that of that joke, if you, if you distill it down to its essence is you need to hear what your spouse needs and try to make that a priority for yourself and vice yeah. versa. Right. For me, a very important thing is I want to take a trip to Europe with my kids and my wife could care less, but she's making it a priority to do that. And so now I need to in turn find ways to make house improvements a priority, even though I don't care. I like the way the house looks now but it's got to become something where you both are working towards these things together and, and prioritizing and planning them. There's so much stuff like that, that if you're by yourself, you're like, I want, I want to go eat a peanut butter and banana sandwich. I don't give a crap if it's three in the afternoon, I'm going to have one. You don't have to be like, what do you want for yeah. dinner? I'm thinking about having a sandwich, you know, texting each other at work, you know, all that kind of stuff. All right. Yeah. And then kids, of course, kids change everything because everything. they change your goals they changed maybe your house now, which was perfect for you and your wife. Maybe it's not so perfect for a four, four people to live in or whatever, right, you know, yeah. so <laughs> just another complication. But anyway, uh, I want to get circle back around to the institution of marriage because we're actually out of time. That went by really fast. And I just want to get some closing thoughts from you guys. Uh, I don't know how many closing thoughts I have. Um, CT might have some, and I'd be more than happy to let him round it out, but I don't think um, I have too much to say other than what I've already said. I feel like um, I get so many conflicting messages about marriage uh, from married people and people who have been married, but all of the conflicting messages are kind of universal right across the board with all of them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, and it's the same thing. Um, and it does it, it does me a world of good, actually, uh, right alongside of doing me absolutely no good <laughs> to listen to it all and try to try to digest it all. Because 
I know in my heart that someday I do want to get married. I really, really, it's not about being married. It's about being in love and sharing that, that my life with somebody. And if that means marriage, which it, in our culture, it does, then I, I, I have to be willing to do that. And, uh, overlook the little test that I ran a couple of years ago in which I looked at my life. I drew on a piece of paper. This is me right here. These are, these five people, this is my inner circle. These are my brothers, like my actual real biological brother. And then one or two other guys that I just, I can't live without, even though one of them is gone today. Um, and then the, the circle that's out here is like all of my close friends, but they're not my inner sanctum, but man, they, they asked me to bury a body for them. I to do it, you know? And then the, the ones that are way out here, these are my work companions that are my friends, my like uh, 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 happy hour friends and whatever else. And there was like 20, 18 to 22 guys all up in there, right? And I broke them all down into several categories, divorced, married, married with kids, divorced with kids, blah, blah, blah. And the numbers were not good. They were not good. Like um, a, a large portion of them, about a third were probably divorced with kids. I wish I could find that piece of paper. Divorced with kids, which means they lost the home. They lost, <laughs> they lost their kids, basically. They lost their manhood. They're done. For the next 18 years, they're done. And then the other ones were like married. And I, I tried to divide which ones I thought were married and happy, like genuinely happy and then married and not so happy. And I just, I broke, this is where I get my earlier argument about how no one's happy and married. You know what I mean? No one's happily married, um, which I know is wrong. Everyone's got some modicum of happiness because and only because they're married. I get that. And I look at that and just go, man, mm. and then way up here at the top, a piece of paper, my dad and his wife, <laughs> I was like, I'll wait till I'm in my fifties, you know, I'd really I, rather not go. And so I, 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 let me just, just to finish, I approach marriage willingly and with bright eyes that are also a little jaded. That's the way I look at it. So I, I would say that I also have a jaded view of marriage compared to, to my twenties when I got married. Um, so I, I would just, I would just round out with this thought, which is a long-term relationship. Is it worth it or not? If you just, if you just take it down to is, is a long-term relationship, a good thing or a bad thing in your life. And I, I can say it that this way in my, in my experience, if you find the right person that you can, that you can work with, and you can figure out how to be happy together, then yeah. If you're going to find somebody who's selfish or somebody that doesn't click or you're together for the wrong reasons or whatever, it's not, it's really not. And I think, I think the reality is you're talking about the 500 batting average earlier. I think the reality is, is that that's very hard. The reason why you have that is because it's very hard to figure out. It's not something that's, that's obvious and instant attraction kind of thing. It takes effort to figure out if you're compatible with the person you're contemplating being married to. And it takes effort once you do the, once you say yes, right. Once you say I do. So that's, it's hard. And, and because of that, I think that's why it fails so much, but it, is it worth it? I think so. I, I absolutely think so. I, 
I'm still attracted to my wife. I still enjoy her. I still enjoy the comments that she makes. And, and when she tries to be funny and she gives a specific smile, it lights up my heart. And there's times when she'll be sitting there on the couch and I'll be sitting in a chair opposite and I'll just see her across the room and I'll tell her, you know, you're cute as fuck. And she'll be like, what? And I'm like, you're just right now, you're just super cute. And I, I just, I like being with you. I like just being here in the room, having somebody that's as cute as you are sitting across the room for me, Yeah, you know, and stuff like that is nice to have. So, yeah. Um, I'd like to give some closing thoughts. I don't usually, but, um, absolutely. The one thing I would say as a, as a person who's been married, I would say, you know, you got to remember the 80, 20 rule. It's just so applicable everywhere in life. Like it's 80% good and 20%. Why did I do this? You know, but it, the 80% just completely outweighs it. Right. And then the other thing I would say to someone who is single and wanting to be married or thinking about being married is don't treat marriage like a solution, like the answer to oh. happiness. Treat That's it really like good. the beginning of the journey. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is, that is, mm, that is genius. I love that so much. <laughs> I just came up with that. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's that really so good. good. Um, I, I wish that you had brought that up earlier because there's so much to say about that. <laughs> uh, like I look at, I look at marriage right and right now I'm looking at marriage to some woman whose face I don't know. And I think, Oh, everything will be fine as soon as that happens. Like marriage is the solution for me. You know what I mean? And uh, I need to hear that. Uh, no, 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 CT. <laughs> marriage is just the beginning. Death is the solution. At the end. <laughs> I mean, really? It, it is, is, yeah. I, it's really about setting your expectations, right? And don't, I mean, I've already said it, it, it yeah. you know. That's oh, a great point. It's really, That's you call me deep. Huh. That was a great, great point. I love that point so much. I'm going to steal that. Don't, don't be surprised if I put that out there as my own. Yeah. <laughs> Marriage is not the That's fine. It's really good advice. Go spread it everywhere. Yeah. Maybe we'll create some more happy, good, happy people in the world. T-shirts <laughs> and ball caps out of that. <laughs> Well, I think that's a problem. You know, I think that's why you get the batting 500 is because people go into it with the wrong expectations and then it doesn't live up to those expectations. I mean, God knows we've all heard about Prince Charming, a, a man who doesn't exist anywhere. Um, you know, and the same thing for the princess in the castle, right? I mean, that's, that's silly. You know, going to it with realistic expectations and understand that there's going to be some growth. <laughs> There's, there's, um, the, the reality is, is that, uh, media does nothing to help that impression, right? Uh, it, almost every love story that's out there is all about to that point where you decide to spend your life together. And then at that point, the story stops ah. and it's, it's so often that that's not the case. And some of the better shows that I've seen on television are the ones that explore what happens after you're married. And how you can still be really in love with somebody and really want to be with somebody, but know that it's not just always beautiful. Ma yeah. Mad About You. That was a television show on in the 1990s. Paul mm -hmm. Reiser and Helen Hunt is a great example of a married couple. The first like three or four or five seasons is a great example of a married couple that are struggling to be together 
but yet are still really happy to be together. And um, it's a, it's a really beautiful little story of that. And they're both highly neurotic people with their own quirks and yeah. And, and even though they do complain about certain things that the other one does, you can tell they still have this deep abiding affection for each other that under that's an undercurrent through it all. But it's it's not all a bed of roses. It is just the beginning. I love that so much, Lancey. Yeah, seriously, that is so good. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to watch this again so I can remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, let's let's wrap it up then. Y'all ready to wrap it up? Yeah. If you got more all to right. say. CT, I feel like I might have stolen any last thunder you might have had. If you got more to say, feel free to. No, okay. not at all. I, I, okay. I mean, I, as we've shown, we could talk about this for hours. Yeah. At some point, we got to wrap it up. So I'm good. All right. Um, before we go, um, did you want to tell? Did you want to tell our listeners about about your book? Oh, oh yeah. CT, you have uh, books out there, and so does Lancey. Yeah, let's talk about your books. Um, yeah, sure, Lancey. Gods of Blood and Lust is my series. Um, please come buy some. You'll find it on Amazon, and it's also in Kindle Unlimited under C.T. Andrews because that's my name. And um, I hope you enjoy it. It's it's a bloody good time. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um. I have a debut novel out um, called Left Turn. It's a contemporary romance. It's about a modern career woman whose life takes a left turn when a you know really hot Scottish celebrity just kind of stumbles across her path. <laughs> I kind of love that. It was kind of fun to write. So uh, Left Turn by Lancey McCall. And it's in all the stores. Um, go out and buy it where you buy books. Sweet. So I will be seeing something from Michael soon. Yeah, I'm still in the editing process. I've been waylaid by um, by COVID for the past few weeks. So I'm trying to get back into it starting like on Monday. So, yeah. Cool. All right. All right, folks. Well, we're going to conclude this episode of Writing Guys. And if you have a question that you would like us to answer or talk about on how men think, uh, visit writingguys.net and click the button to ask us a question, a formal pop-up. You just fill it out, send it in, and it'll go on our list. Um, and be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the Writing Guys podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will see you next time. Bye. Cool. Bye. Bye, everybody.